0: Welcome everyone to Courtside, a discussion of legal issues soon, hopefully to be a discussion of legal issues not involving Donald J. Trump. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. We obviously had something of an anti-Valentine's Day present yesterday with the Senate voting by a 57 to 43 vote. Trump was not convicted of a lifetime ban from future office holding. Now I know some of you are bummed but I want to spend this time with you today to explain to you why things are actually pretty good and how yesterday's vote sets a framework for Donald Trump to be finally held accountable. Let me first start with the sublime, then move to the ridiculous. The sublime, those House managers, Jamie Raskin, Stacey Plaskett, Jonah Goose, and so many others. Watching them, they rose to the historical moment. It was beautiful work. And this was a tragic vote that these 43 senators read the impeachment clause out of the Constitution when it comes to January. And not for something minor, like, I don't know, impeaching someone for an affair, for example. This was an insurrection of the Capitol. And not just on any day, it wasn't like they were like voting on National Chocolate Day or something like that. This was on their most sacred day, the day when they count the votes and exercise the peaceful transition of power. The House managers were a study in persuasion, and their closings, man, they were riveting. And you know, one of the things that I think hasn't been really documented and I think it's worth thinking about is just how much they went after uh, Mitch McConnell. Um, you know, particularly, I want to focus on representative Neguse's, um closing because he was really a star, I mean, just beautiful, uh, eloquent, and the like. But you can see what he was doing. He was invoking Henry Clay right away who's, of course, from Kentucky, called him a son of Kentucky. Later in the speech, he went on to say in 1986, two senators, one Republican and one Democrat, you know, came together, defied President Reagan and attacked the apartheid, sanction, apartheid regime in South Africa. He never mentions how the, who those two were. He was too subtle for that. But the Democrat was Patrick Leahy, the Republican, Mitch McConnell. Very, very subtle, beautiful job going after, uh, Mitch McConnell. The antithesis of beautiful was, of course, the Trump lawyers who didn't even manage to put a defense out on the merits. It was just a screed about a culture war. And that argument has the faintest whisper of sense, I guess, until you realize that it was one of, it was Liz Cheney, who was one of the ten Republicans who voted to impeach. And look, I've had big cases in the past, and I think with big cases, the thing that folks need to understand is you have multiple audiences. You've obviously got the judge and jury in front of you. You also have your client, who you always want to keep happy, but you also have the eyes of history. And while Trump's lawyers may have kept Trump happy and may have squeaked through the jury, the 100 senators, in the eyes of history, it was terrible there was no substantive defense by these people none whatsoever i mean i guess their defense was what about portland what about black lives matter um they even went so far as to blame those forces for the january 6th attack um you know I, there there aren't enough drugs in the world to make someone get to that conclusion now i know there's a big debate about whether the house manager should have called witnesses um very standard in a big case that's lost, um, Monday morning quarterbacking. Here we are. My view, you know, and was my view before uh, yesterday, was that witnesses would be good. It would humanize the story. But in the end, the problem was not the facts. The house managers overwhelmingly proved the facts to the point where Mitch McConnell agreed. And the house managers were exquisite. But nonetheless, you know, I think some humanizing would have been good. Um, but it probably wouldn't have made one whit of difference. The thing that people aren't really talking about, but the New York Times buried in their reporting, was why the House managers didn't call witnesses. And it's because the Senate Republicans laid down the gauntlet and threatened them. They said, if you call witnesses, even one witness, then we are going to stop the business of the Senate. No nominees, no Merrick Garland, no no one else, no legislation, no COVID legislation. Joni Ernst and others carried that message. That is reprehensible. The idea that these senators were so afraid of the American public finding out the truth that they wanted to shut down the Senate, stop COVID relief for millions of Americans who need it, I can't think of something more horrible. On the other hand, no witnesses means something actually pretty good. It means we can make lemon lemonade out of lemons. It creates in particular the possibility of another proceeding. Because after all, I do think the American public deserve to hear under oath from Donald Trump and Michael Pence and all these other folks. And so that brings me to our main topic tonight, what to do. There are two paths of future action, the 14th Amendment, which bars insurrectionists from future office holding and criminal prosecution. I've talked in the past about both of these and what those alternatives are, so I'm not going to spend today doing that. You can grab Courtside from past episodes to go into the details. But I do want to explain how yesterday's vote sets up in a really important way both of these, because remember, the Senate did not acquit Donald Trump. They didn't say he was innocent they largely, most of them basically, in fact, everyone who voted to acquit looks like they voted to acquit because they found no jurisdiction on a technicality. They said a former president couldn't be impeached. Um, you know, I think that's wrong for a bazillion reasons, but that was the genesis of their vote. So people like Mitch McConnell said, look, I think Trump's guilty on the facts. So that makes criminal prosecution politically palatable and factually appropriate. And remember, an overwhelming majority, by 15 votes in the Senate, found Trump guilty on the facts and on jurisdiction. Those folks, those senators, represent 76.7 million more Americans than the 43 senators who voted to acquit. And of course, that's all after the House vote, which was the most bipartisan impeachment vote in U.S. history, with 10 Republicans attacking Donald Trump and impeaching him. So look, in the end, it's like the Taylor Swift song. Both the House and Senate are saying, I think he did it. But they just, some of them felt they didn't have the power to convict him because he was a former officer. Now, when you have a court that lacks the power, that lacks jurisdiction, The natural thing to do is to say what other court is out there that could do this. And here we have two. We have the House and Senate acting under the 14th Amendment, and we have criminal prosecutions. And remember, Trump's own lawyers in the impeachment proceeding in the Senate said, oh, Trump's not been indicted, so therefore he can't be impeached and convicted. Be careful what you wish for. There are also, there are criminal prosecution, criminal investigations going on in Georgia and New York, and of course the US Justice Department can open one. Somewhere we need to get to the facts and we need to have Donald Trump under oath. That's never happened before because he's been a scaredy cat, afraid to testify. And we need that forum for him to testify and the vice president to testify. And so precisely because the impeachment proceedings didn't have witnesses, it may mean the need for other proceedings, including that 14th Amendment option. Now, let me tell you about two bright spots in yesterday's vote. First, I think you've heard this from others. It was the most bipartisan impeachment vote in United States history. You've heard that. Let me give you some details. It's really hard, if you're a president, to have folks from your party vote against you. It's like failing a class at Yale. You really got to try to do it. but. Trump managed to do it. We've had four impeachments in the United States' history of presidents. President Johnson after the Civil War, President Clinton, and the two Trump ones. That Just Johnson and Clinton were 223 different senatorial votes. And we've never had even one senator from his own party vote against a president until Trump impeachment number one, when Mitt Romney did. That was one. This time we had seven senators vote against him. Now, of the seven, Lisa Murkowski is the only one with an election next year. So in my mind, she single-handedly redeemed Alaska for giving us Sarah Palin. Now, that's the first thing to think about. The second is to think about Mitch McConnell's testimony or Mitch McConnell's statement, which was very striking. Now, I don't want to go too far out on a limb here. I mean, Mitch McConnell has given two dramatic speeches now about Trump's misconduct without casting a single vote that would do something about it. I mean, he seems hell bent on turning the case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde into a biography. But look, on the other side, McConnell could have just condemned Trump's behavior, you know, tisk tsk, you know, Susan Collins style. But Mitch McConnell went way, way further, even calling for, as I said before, criminal sanctions. I mean, this guy was part of the witch hunt crowd for a long time, saying Trump was falsely accused and the like. But here, Mitch McConnell is saying criminal prosecution may be appropriate. So it's like, you know, he's unable to follow through on the breakup himself. He's asking the courts, basically, to move Trump's stuff out for him. So that's one important thing to think about is McConnell's breakup and the factual attack on Trump. And the other point to think about is the comparison with Chuck Schumer's statement at the end. Because in many ways, McConnell's statement went way further than Schumer's. I mean, Schumer pulled some punches. After all, Schumer said, well, Donald Trump sent rioters in to stop the certification process. And that's true. But here's what Senator Schumer did not say. There were senators in that very room who tried to stop the certification, and 126 members of the House of Representatives. These senators yesterday voted to acquit themselves. And as we look to the future, we need to think about that and who's in our Congress. The 43-7 vote breakdown among Republicans shows that we now have an extremist party with a moderate wing. You know, just look at Senator Lindsey Graham, who said he spoke to Trump last night and they're both excited about 2022. Well, I'll tell you, once that January 6th, the 9-11 style commission's underway, I hope we can finally get to the important investigative work of figuring out what on earth happened to Lindsey Graham, who used to be such a principled Republican. He's the guy who said Trump would, quote, destroy the GOP. Well, in the end, one thing that does give me hope is that Americans under 30 years old, supported removing Trump by three to one ratio. Republicans yesterday didn't just vote against the future of American democracy, they might have voted against their chances of a place in it. 43 Republicans, as of yesterday, have taken a bet that the ongoing federal investigations into the Trump insurrection, into his phone calls to election officials, into his taxes, into his business dealings, will do nothing to erode that whopping 34% approval rating he had when he left office. I'm no fortune teller, but Trump's trajectory since November tells me I think they picked the side with the long odds. With that, have a wonderful Valentine's Day. I'll see you next Sunday.